to see Jesus. That's what those Greeks said to Jesus' disciples. We wish to see Jesus. What were they, what were they thinking about Jesus? What did they know about Jesus at this point? They at least had heard of him, right? But these Greeks, right, they're not, they're not Jews. They would fall into the Gentile category. And so maybe they've heard about some of the miraculous deeds that Jesus has done. Maybe they've heard some of his teaching and they, they, wanna, they wanna see him at least. They wanna meet him. Maybe they wanna learn from him and maybe even start following him. We're not exactly sure, but they, but they ask to see Jesus. We wish to see Jesus. What if someone showed up here at St. Paul and said that, we wish to see Jesus. How can we see Jesus here at St. Paul, they might ask. What would you say to him? Yeah, you, what if you had to answer that question? What would you say? How can I see and follow Jesus here at St. Paul? Go. Yeah, that's about what I expected, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> so, someone at the Saturday service said, I would tell them, go talk to the pastor. <laughs> I think it's called passing the buck. Uh, I think a lot of times, a lot of churches would, be, would kind of struggle with this response. We might not exactly know what to say. And I, I think St. Paul, I think the people of St. Paul will kind of struggle with this too. How can we see Jesus? You know, we, would, we might have a lot to say, but I think we'd be kind of all over the place, rambling a little bit, not very clear, not very focused in our response. But you know who had a very clear, focused response to this? Well, it was Jesus himself. Because when Jesus was founding the church and sending the apostles out to be the church, you know, we call this the Great Commission, he was, very, he was very clear, he was very focused, he was very simple in what he said that the church is to do. Go, make disciples, baptize, teach. But sometimes the, the church, the church at large and local churches, we get a little sidetracked from that. We get a little confused and unfocused on what exactly we are supposed to do. Jesus is, is very clear, but we are not always clear about telling people how to follow Jesus. How can we help you become a disciple of his here in this place? Now, we just, uh, we just celebrated a couple weeks ago a, uh, a holiday here. It was uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. You may remember that it snowed a whole lot that day. And you know you already had school off, so it wasn't even like you got an extra school, you know, snow day or something. But what we, one of the things that we remember, the the power, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. said a lot of powerful things, but he had this "I have a dream" speech that still leaves a lasting impact even decades later. And I think it's good for us here today in the context of, you know, how can someone see Jesus? You know, how are we supposed to follow Jesus here at St. Paul? I think it's good for us to, to also have a dream of what that might look like. It's good for God's people to dream up and maybe have a vision of what, what discipleship could look like. How can we remain faithful to the mission 
that Jesus gave to us and make disciples. And so I have been doing a lot of thinking and praying and reading scripture and talking to other people about that. And, and I, I, have a, I have a dream for St. Paul. I have a vision of what making disciples could look like in the future. But it, this kind of thing, it doesn't just happen from one person, right? This is gonna be a, a conversation with input here from God's people at St. Paul, but we're kind of getting the ball rolling here today. We're going to talk about what it could look like, maybe where God is leading us into the future here. And so I have four words that I'm going to share with you guys today, and we all know that you get bonus points from alliteration, so they all start with the letter G, okay? So here we go. I, I have a dream that God is forming St. Paul into a community of disciples who gather, that's the first one, gather together regularly for worship to receive the gifts of God, okay? We'll come back to that one here in just a little bit. The gathering, that's the focus for today. But also, these disciples grow they grow in their faith relationship with God, uh, but also with one another through the study of God's word, through prayer, through community with each other. Not only do these disciples gather and grow, but they also give. They give of themselves in a holistic way of the time and the talents and the treasures that God has given to us. We give for the sake of our neighbors who need things, for the sake of our community, you know, to bless those around us, even, even the world, even to the ends of the world, maybe our gifts God uses to have an impact. And finally, these disciples of Jesus at St. Paul will go. We will go in our everyday lives, wherever God has sent us, to make more disciples. Jesus had this dream of a, a multiplying church where disciples are made and then those disciples go out and make more disciples and on and on it goes. Did you guys get all that? Could be on the test. Just want to give you a warning. We're going to talk about the first area of discipleship today. And in subsequent weeks, we'll, we'll talk about the other ones. But the word gather, when you hear gather, I know certain things might come to mind. You're like, oh, I think he's talking about this. Oh, no, I think he's talking about something different over here. And, you know, you might all be, like, kind of right. Um, but I, the particular focus for gathering today is going to be on what we're doing right now, worship. The worship gathering of Christians together. Simply put, disciples of Jesus gather uh, at St. Paul, they gather together regularly for worship to receive God's gifts. This is a, you know, this is a, a kind of a particularly Lutheran way of describing what worship is. There, there, there could be, you know, if, if I would have had you guys all like write out a definition, you know, hey, give me a definition of what worship is in 
20 words or less or something. We've got a bunch of different answers. But I, I, let's, let's roll with this one here for a little while. Worship is about God giving us his gifts. And a lot of times, as Lutherans, we talk about word and sacrament, right? So when we gather together, we are gathered around word and sacrament. We, you know, we read God's word. We have a sermon based on a particular text from God's word. And God speaks to us through his word and reminds us of who we are. He reminds us that we are forgiven children of God, that Jesus, his son, came to this world, died on the cross, rose again to give us forgiveness of sins, new life, and salvation, and we, we can't get enough of that when we gather together. We hear it again and again through his word. But then we, we also remember our baptism, like when we say the words in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we're remembering who we are, whose we are even. And then later in our service, we're gonna celebrate the other sacrament, the Lord's Supper. We're gonna taste the body and blood that Christ gives us, where he gives us his forgiveness of sins and strengthens us in our faith and for our life as his people out in the world. It's a, it's a beautiful thing where we, we do. We receive a lot from God. He serves us. Uh, but we know it's also, it's like a back and forth though, right? It's, it's kind of like a conversation when we come to worship because we also respond to what God gives us. We respond with thanks and praise, maybe with songs or with prayers or other ways. And the, the goal is even that we will keep responding for the other 167 hours of the week as we go out in our lives as God's people to live lives of thanksgiving and praise to him. And for the, for the sake of those around us, we bless them by the way that we live and show the love of God that we receive every time we come here. Well, that's what worship is. It's, it's in one sense very simple and also it's very complex. There's a lot going on that God is doing for us and in us and through us in the gathering of his people. And worship is a time when truly you see Jesus. So I think a, a great answer to that, you know, hey, how can we see Jesus here? I think a great answer to that would be come to worship. Jesus is there. You know, Jesus is here. Now, is Jesus only here? Does he, is he confined to this building? Are you guys confused or just quiet? Yeah. No, no, he's not. He's not stuck here or something. He's everywhere, but in a very powerful way, he is especially here where his people gather in his name around his word and sacrament, around his gifts. He is here. So you could say, oh yeah, if you want to see Jesus, oh, come follow me to the worship gathering. He's there. And he comes with you too. Oh, but he's here. He's here when we gather every time. It's a beautiful thing about worship is that it's not just like this personal me and Jesus time we can talk, I think we can legitimately talk about like having a personal relationship with Jesus, with God. But when we gather together, there is a corporate connection that we have as the body of Christ. We are linked together. And it's a beautiful thing that we truly become a community. You hear that word unity in there? In that word community, unity? Become a community of Jesus followers 
all together. We got nothing more strongly in common than our faith in Christ. And humans are designed to come together. Humans are designed for what we call shared experiences. I think that kind of defines itself, you know, what a shared experience is. But I'll give some examples of what I mean exactly. Um, you know, there's certain things that happen, whether they're like on a national stage or an international stage, where it just seems like everybody is paying attention to the same thing, right? And like everybody's watching the same thing on TV or, you know, it could even be like a national tragedy or something where we're all, we're all upset, but we're kind of like connected because we're going through the same thing. I think the pandemic was, you know, kind of like this, especially in the early days. Um, we're like all kind of going through this together and, and we have a shared experience that can take place um, across many miles, you know, great distances, especially in more recent years, we can have these shared experiences remotely, virtually, and, and it's, a, it's a blessing that we can do that. There's other things that might happen, you know, it might be like, like the release of a big movie or something that sweeps the nation and everybody's talking about it and that's kind of like a shared experience. You might be, you know, calling people, do people still call each other on the phone? I don't know, I've, I've heard rumors of that. Might be texting each other, doing other things like that. Um, maybe it's the Super Bowl in a few weeks. You know, you can kind of count on, well probably, almost everyone else I know right now is doing the same thing as me. There's a community component to that, and it's kind of powerful. You're, you, feel, you get kind of swept up in it. We like it. We like to be connected to other people in various ways uh, that might be powerful and deep. Shared experiences, we are created for these types of things. I want to give a couple of examples here. I'm going to take a chance and, um, and ask, does anyone know? Raise your hand if you know what Wordle is. Who knows what Wordle is? Okay, we got a few cool hip people here today. Um, it's, a, it's a word game. It's like a daily word puzzle. And uh, the, the fun thing about it is you can uh, share your results with your friends and family, kind of have bragging rights. So I have a few text groups that I, you know, when I when I get the Wordle correct for that day, I'll send out my results. And I had, can you, can you get it as fast as I got it? And then, you know, like maybe there's some days where I don't send anything and maybe I just didn't get it that day, you know, who knows. Uh, but it's kind of a fun thing that, that, that keeps me and my family and, and even like friends that are all dispersed throughout the country connected. Oh, you know, the, the daily Wordle thing. I know like a lot, bunch of you guys are gonna look this up later, you know. Um, but another thing is, is like watching a sporting event. This, this, is, this is where, you know, I, I love sports. You guys are like, oh, he talks about sports too much. Um, but I love sporting events. And so I will, like later today, I'm going to throw the, uh, the, the NFL games up on the TV. But if you think the TV is the only device I'm going to use while I'm watching that, you are wrong. I'm going to have my phone. I'm going to have my laptop. I'm going to be texting like seven people. I'm going to be scrolling through multiple social media sites to try to, I think, I think I'm like conversing with other people. I'm like getting a sense of, well, what are people talking about this game? It feels like I'm going to be connected to thousands, millions of people later, and it's a lot of fun. Some, my wife would say, it's just like, I can't focus on one thing. Uh, but, oh, but boy, is it fun. And you, and you have these connections. And it's, it's a tremendous blessing that we can do stuff like that across, you know, the continents. You know, we can be connected to other people. It is a good thing. But sometimes people will say, you just had to be there. Have you ever said that? 
Usually I say that like one of, one of my jokes or like one of my stories falls flat or so. Oh, I just had to be there, you know. Um, has someone ever said that to you? you? Oh, you just had to be there. You just had to be there. And we all maybe have some memories where it's like, man, if I hadn't been there, if I hadn't been physically present with that person or with that group of people, that would have been way different. I, I wouldn't even remember that anymore. Any, uh, any soccer fans out there? Yeah, okay, like seven, that's cool. Um, so, <laughs> any, any, any Americans, you know? Okay, so World Cup, 12 years ago, 2010, it's in the, the group stage, you know, and uh, the United States is playing Algeria. Maybe some of you are thinking, oh, I remember, I know where he's going with this. So I went, um, instead of just watching it by myself at home, I went to this local indoor soccer complex, and they were showing the game up on like this huge screen. And I, um, there were like 400 people there probably, like sitting on the artificial turf, and we were watching this soccer game. And um, I went with my friend Kevin, and we're watching it, and we're sitting down, but then like toward the end of the game, like we're, everybody's standing up because we're getting kind of tense because the Americans need to score a goal late in the game to advance. If they, if they didn't score, they were going to be eliminated, you know, which is, I mean, how often does the United States advance in the World Cup? You know, this is like an exciting prospect. And so there's just a couple minutes to go. They're on the brink of elimination, and U.S. hero Landon Donovan scores a goal to make the United States advance to the next round, and the place is going crazy. And my friend Kevin and I, who I think we had only touched each other one time, maybe to shake hands one time, you know, typical, you know, two guys being friends. We, before we even realized what was happening, we were locked in a patriotic embrace, jumping up and down. Just, I mean, we, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Tears in our eyes, you know. You think if I had just texted Kevin, like, yay, go U.S., you know, would I have remembered that the same way? No. This is the last, we still talk about this sometimes, kind of, you know, like, hey, remember that time that we hugged? Yeah. Um, America, okay. Um, but then, I have another example, too. And I, I, I did clear this with my dad uh, before I tell this story. He's a big Rams fan. So later today, go Rams. Sorry to the 49ers fans out there, but uh, go Rams. And 22 years ago, the Rams were in the Super Bowl. And I was watching it with my dad and my brother in our basement. And the Rams were in the, late in the game, fourth quarter, clinging to a seven-point lead. The Tennessee Titans are driving for the tying score. They throw a pass to their wide receiver on the final play of the game, and the Rams tackle him on the one-yard line. And my dad, he's a very, very reserved fellow, very calm, soft-spoken. I look over at my dad, he's jumping up and down on the couch. <laughs> my brother and I, every year at the Super Bowl, we always say, hey, remember that time when dad jumped on the couch? And he turns a little red, but we, every year it's a tradition of ours to remember that. But you think 22 years later, I would have remembered that if I was you know, not with my dad for that moment? Sometimes you just have to be there. That's how it is with God's people. Sometimes we just have to be there together. We have to gather together as God intended it, as God has designed for us 
not to be apart, and not to be islands unto ourselves, but to be connected as the body of Christ, fellow believers, to be connected in a community. We call this community of believers a church. It's kind of a funny sounding word when you think about it. It comes from a Greek word, ekklesia, ekklesia. And that's, that's the Greek word in the New Testament that usually gets translated into English as church. And it, it literally, this, this word literally is a compound of the words called and from. So it's a group of people who are called from something. So the Christians actually kind of like grabbed this word. It was, it was a word that, this is the, the definition that I have up there. It was kind of a secular use to begin with. It meant a gathering of people called out from their homes into some public place. So it's like people all called out of, you know, kind of where they come from and, and to get together in some form or fashion. And when the church, you know, when, the, when Christians started using this term, they meant it in a more deep, connected way. You know, it's like gathering now as the ecclesia for worship and to share our lives together and to, to learn more about Jesus and to live the Jesus way together. That's what an ecclesia is. That's what a church is. It is a community closely connected to one another. And sometimes you just have to be there. There is no greater shared experience than the shared experience that Christians have when they get together for worship. We grow in our relationship with God. We grow in our relationship with one another. So God calls us to gather. What, about, what are we supposed to do when we gather? What's it supposed to look like? Do we have any instructions, I wonder? It's almost like maybe... Maybe there's like one whole section of the Bible that has a lot to say about this. Are you guys ready for a New Testament flurry of instructions for what the gathered community of Jesus followers are supposed to do? Are you guys ready for this? Got your note-taking things ready? Yeah. People don't even know how to write with a pen anymore. This is, what, this is just a fraction of what the New Testament says. We are to serve one another. We are to bear with one another in love. To speak and sing the words of God together. Make music together. Teach and challenge one another. Keep one another accountable. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We are not to give up meeting together, but to be hospitable to one another, to experience fellowship together, to confess to one another, to pray for one another, to eat and drink together. Did you guys notice anything that was linking all of these things, anything, any unifying words or phrases? You guys can, can say it out loud. I'll take that, yeah. Together. They all, yeah, yeah, they all either said together or one another, right? It's almost like getting together is important as Christians, gathering together. These are all things that are best done while being physically present together. 
and they are all, at best, they are difficult to do when you're apart, and at worst, they're impossible to do when you're apart. Do you guys know what FOMO is? Who can tell me? Fear of missing out. Some of you had intense FOMO for about five seconds when you didn't know what that meant, didn't you? FOMO, fear of missing out. If you are not gathering with other Christians, you're missing out. You really are. You're missing out if you're not gathering with other Christians. And it's not just a negative thing like for, for the person who is not gathering, but it's actually a negative thing for the entire community because people are missing from our crew. And you can kind of feel that, oh, so and so is supposed to be here. We feel their absence. So it's kind of like harmful to the whole group when everyone is not together. Gathering for worship, you know, like I've said, it, it's the greatest shared experience God has designed us for. It is a tremendous blessing that he gives to us. Worshiping, uh, worshiping online, what a tremendous blessing this has been, especially in the early days of the pandemic, you know, to be able to have that option to worship virtually wherever you are. But I think we all know it's, it's, it's a shadow of the main thing, though. Plan A is always to get together, to be present with one another in the same place. And this is really, this, this whole conversation, it's not just like a, a COVID thing. This has been going on, you know, people gathering or not gathering for a lot longer. This, this sermon could have been preached three years ago, 30 years ago, whatever. You're missing out if you're not gathering with your fellow believers for worship. It's a foundational thing for any disciple of Jesus. It's, it really, you could say, it, it's just a non-negotiable thing. And it's going to form the basis of what discipleship looks like here at St. Paul, gathering together for worship. It is a wonderful blessing when we gather, we remember who we are, we receive God's gifts. You, you know, you can't, you can't go to a Lutheran worship service without being reminded again and again of how much God loves you and how he's made you his child. By the death and resurrection of Jesus, by grace through faith, you are his. And we remember that. And then we, we internalize it. We know that that's our identity. And we live that way for the rest of the week. And then we come back again. We gather again. Gathering for worship, you could say it, it forms disciples. Disciples are formed when, when we gather together. But it's not, it's not the only part of the process. That, my friends, is called a teaser for next week. Because there's more. There's more in the process. Gathering for worship is foundational, but God calls us to more. So, so follow, me, follow me, but follow Jesus even more so. And join us again next week as we talk about additional aspects of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus here in this place. Would you pray with me? Lord God,
We thank you for gathering us, for giving us this beautiful opportunity to receive the gifts that you pour out to us, to connect with our fellow believers in a deep and profound and personal way as we remember and celebrate how we are together. We are your people together. Give us a longing to gather together. Give us a joy to do it and help us all to seek to gather as much as we possibly can. In Jesus' name, amen.